All right, we are back. Now, normally in our, in our third segment, we often open up with obituaries. We do want to get around to talking about the late, great Andy Griffith, uh, give him the attention he deserves, and we would note, sadly, the passing of another one of our favorites dating back to the 1950s, Ernest Borgnine. And although McHale's Navy may have been one of the worst shows in the history of television, I will forgive Ernest Borgnine all of his transgressions because of his one performance in Marty. I think we'll talk about that before, before the show's over. But let us resume our talk with our guest sitting here in the studio with me, Mr. Sean Mitten, a longtime veteran of the radio wars. And you spent how many years up in the Pacific Northwest doing like three hours of radio a day? Uh, about five years doing God. that. And about five years producing, which was the, it's the worst job you can have. That's when you make no money, you have to stand in front of athletes all day and realize how stupid they truly are. Yeah. Were you juiced for any of that? Yes. All of it. <laughs> Andristine Dione. Yep, every, everything I get my hands on, just to tolerate some of those guys. You know, you regale us in, in past shows with some of the, the, the dumb athlete uh, <laughs> anecdotes. You got any a few more in the well you could, you could dredge up? Um, you know, it's been a long time since I've actually been in front of these guys, but I just like watching guys be interviewed. You know who the best interviews are in sports? It's the NASCAR guys. A lot of people think they're complete idiots because they have this whole impression of the south and the bootlegging and all that they're the absolute best guys to interview because um they always hit their sponsors you tell them i have 90 seconds and they will give you 90 seconds i think the uh probably the the biggest can i use the word idiot is that too strong no i hope this guy for this show doesn't come back and hit but i think in terms of (laughs) some of the bigger idiots that i've seen here probably in the last year um, Andrew Bynum. I don't know if you know Andrew Bynum. He's a he's a center Never for the Lakers. Name. Okay, and uh, he's done some pretty idiotic stuff lately, and he gives terrible interviews. Oh, doggone! Give an example. What's he done that's been on the idiotic? Well, side during the playoffs, they were asking him. Um, the Lakers were were up on uh, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City eventually uh, ended up going to the NBA Finals, which I know you don't want to talk about, so we won't. But they ended up uh, losing to Miami, which we're not going to talk about. <laughs> Four games to one. LeBron James MVP, but we're not going to go there. Um, but they were up, uh, I think they were up two games to one or three games to one. And he made some stupid statement about, uh, you know, the series is over once we get up a certain, you know, once we get up 2 1 or 3 1. Nobody ever. ever Ooh. Saw it, all, the worst that thing gives you a could, guy motivation. Right. I mean, once you challenge a guy's pride and do something like So anyway, mm-hmm. the Lakers ended up losing to Oklahoma City. They eventually went on to the finals and lost to the Miami Heat four games to one. LeBron James, MVP. So <laughs> something like that is, is pretty idiotic. But, but most of the guys now, I, I don't know if they, had, if they don't have PR people or if they just don't like listen to their words. But I would say probably 80% of the interviews I hear are absolutely idiotic, uh, except for... Like I say, like the NASCAR guys and some hmm. of these guys. I wonder why just, they're so good. The train? Just, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, that's exactly what it is. I mean, they go the through very, uh, very rigorous training. And yeah. if you don't mention the uh, manufacturer of the car mm-hmm. and the guys who've got the biggest sticker on your car, mm-hmm. every single interview um, you get to talk into. I, when I was up in Portland, they used to have a kart race up there, open-wheel racing, kind of like indie racing. And when you would talk to those guys... Um, you know they had their they had their reps right behind them, and if they did not mention the proper sponsor, you'd you'd see the rep kind of bend over in their <laughs> ear, and and they would make sure that they mentioned them in the next sentence. They're huh. pretty tight on that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know much about NASCAR, but I know they always have. They do have. They're just loaded with stickers on the cars, yep. and the guy's uniform is loaded with stickers. And and 
Does anyone actually use STP oil treatment? You know, I've been uh, I've been asking myself that question for additive uh, segment of society. Uh-huh. I, I do listen to uh, NPR. You know, I listen to um, Click and Clack. The, yeah, uh, Tapper Brothers. Yeah, I do too. And they say that that kind of stuff is all a bunch of BS. That's what I've always thought. <laughs> but one thing I do admire by putting an STP sticker like on the guy's uniform, you know who's sponsoring them. Now, why can't we go down to our state capitol here and have the legislators <laughs> have various stickers affixed to their suits so we know who is backing them? It's pretty simple. It's either, uh, um, Doug, we cannot go. This is, this is a sports segment. You're going to get me in trouble. By the way, any opinion you hear on this program, <laughs> on any given show, reflects only the opinion of the host, perhaps, or his guest, and does not in any way necessarily represent the views of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regions of the University of California. They are all crooks. <laughs> I've never met a legislator that was not an absolute crook. Well, thank you for clarifying. I was worried you were referring to the regents with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but this does remind me of a, with a Herb Cain, I think you missed at the top of the show, but you weren't quite in the, in the, in the studio yet, but we quoted a Herb Cain from... 1970, where he um, said there were certain people you should feel sorry for. He mentioned reporters who asked straight questions of diplomats, politicians, and football coaches and expect <laughs> to get a straight answer. And I think that that's something you could probably relate to. Do you want to go into the Sandusky thing with this? Is that where you... Did we ever talk about that? No, let's do that. Let's. let's how much time do we have? Because I would love to talk about t- that. Let's go five minutes on Sandusky. All right. I mean, this right. is like an unbelievable story of like how power corrupts. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, this is a situation where the regents knew about it. The coaches knew about it. The police knew about it. Mm-hmm. And they allowed this guy on campus for years and years. Mm-hmm. You know, he was an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. And all this, most of this took place after he had... You know, officially left in a university capacity, but it was still allowed. You know, to be uh, to be on the field to 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 do his nonprofit work there, and it's you talk about just a, a complete breakdown of the entire system. And now, fortunately, you know the guy's never going to see the light of day again. But it's uh, he went down pretty hard for this. He did. I mm. mean, he he got uh, what forty five years or fifty five years. He 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 got nailed pretty good. And it's funny because um, there was a really interesting. Uh, um, well, a serial child rapist should. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's going to make time, lots yeah. of friends. But um, <laughs> he was doing a, uh, an interview with Bob Costas uh, before his trial, which was who his why his lawyer would even allow him to do an interview with Bob Costas <laughs> right. prior to the trial. Because you know, Bob Costas yeah. is actually—I don't know how you feel—he's a pretty damn good interviewer. He's an awesome interviewer. Yes, he is. He really is. And so, how'd that go? I didn't know them about. Well, it was pretty standard stuff. But then uh, he asked him about. Um, uh, you know, do you uh, do you have an affinity for young boys? And the Jerry's answer was pause, pause, pause. Well, you know, I I wouldn't say I, it, it, you would have to listen to it. It was just like, could I be any more guilty? You know what the answer is? No, Bob, I do not have an affinity for young boys. Not well, you know. Now now that you mention it. That reminds me of one of our favorite comedy bits in the show, the, the great Perry Schreiner, court-appointed attorney from National Lampoon Radio Hour, where they had uh, a guy in the stand saying, Let me ask you, Julio Sanchez, have you ever committed the act of rape? Which he goes, I refuse to answer on the grounds it might incriminate me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's kind of the, the, the thing with the Sandusky thing is if, if you didn't believe that he was guilty at that point after you heard that interview... I mean, he basically just set himself up for a complete fall. It was, it was, it was probably the dumbest thing he could have done. And I'm sure that uh, 
the the guy wherever he got his law degree in the Bahamas or wherever, <laughs> I'm sure that to this day he's well, like, why did you let me do that? Yeah, I have to quote from Newsweek on this one. They noted that sometime this fall he will travel again to a Pennsylvania prison with a geriatric unit equipped to handle a 68-year-old man, and there'll be time to reflect upon the truest words Sandusky's ever spoken, which they're quoting saying, I shouldn't have showered with those kids. Wow. As a guy who's played sports most of his life, I mean, I've been playing sports since junior high, I can honestly say I have n- I've never had a coach say, hey, do you guys mind if I hop in here with you? I, I pro- <laughs> Look, I... I just, I'm tired and I'm sweaty and, hey, could you hand that to me? Hey, hey. I mean, the fact that one of the things they said is it was the, it was the culture at the time. That's Jerry's excuse is, you know, when he originally started coaching, it wasn't all that unusual. And I'm saying. What wasn't all that unusual? To shower, for the coaches to shower with the kids. You know, I don't remember the coach ever joining us in the I showers back in high I school. I don't either. Yeah, you know, that would have been a little weird. That would have creeped me out just a bit. What, mo- what I find most appalling is that Joe Paterno, this, this, this like hero of Pennsylvania, himself knew about it and said, well, it would be kind of inhumane to, to, to rein in old Jerry on this one. What, what, what about the victims? Yeah, I mean, the thing about that, I guess, I guess ultimately Joe Paterno got his, but um, he did really what he did is he did the minimum he needed to. He did report it, but he didn't do any follow-up. He didn't do anything other than, than you know report what he was told second or third hand so he's he's got a hand in this as well and you think about a guy who spent you know 25 30 years coaching the same team who was always deemed as a principled guy but we never you never really know anybody i mean we, nobody knew anything about joe paterno so it may be a surprise to some people it may be not a surprise to other people I mean, obviously he's very faithful to the the people that were around him but something like that is just just gross misconduct as far as i'm concerned the most horrible thing about this whole and the news coverage of this, the people that got this the most correct was the Onion. They did a fake news conference of ten-year-old boys <laughs> saying, "Well, sometimes you may be concerned about what you do, but it's really quite simple. If you see anyone being raped, just report it to the police." And and you know what? There were people that saw, heard, viewed, and never did a damn thing about it. And that's probably the saddest thing of all is. You know, you've got six, eight, seven, or six, seven, eight, nine guys who's, you know, who's lost their youth. They're messed up as adults. They'll never get that time back. And you can throw a guy in jail, but, you know, what do you do for these kids who are going to be messed up for the rest of their lives? Money, money's not going to help anything like that. I mean, people say, oh, well, you know, they're all going to get X amount of dollars from the university or from whatever, you know. That's not going to help them. I mean, I mean, the stuff that's going on in their minds—they don't care about the. They don't care about money. If they, if they'd cared about money, they'd gone and stayed the night with Michael Jackson. All yeah, right, yeah, I take that uh, back. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I was, I was right there with you, thinking about <laughs> Michael Jackson and how guilty that guy was, and what another serial molester he was, and he, he beat the rap. Yeah, my wife is a big Michael Jackson fan. And every, well, I admire his music, but yeah, gee, yeah, you got to separate the you yeah. know the man from the molester, I guess, or however <laughs> however that would work. Yeah. but uh, I always uh, I always give her a, a tough time about that. But uh, she think he's innocent or what? I think I think that uh, hopefully she's not listening to this. I think that uh, you know people who admire someone to such great lengths, and yeah. in fact, she. Um, you know, when I when I bring up some of the stuff that is known to have happened, you know, I think I think people who really admire him try to find ways to justify. Well, well, no, you know, none of this was ever proven. Well, that's because he had to pay millions of dollars to shut the families up. Yeah. But what does that say about the family? That's all they wanted. 
Because if your child right. was... You talked about not, not being healed by money. I'm right. thinking like, well, what about the, the dad and the mom right. that just sending off the boy? As you talk, I mean, literally, sending him off to spend the night with Michael Jackson. Right. People did that. Yes, they did. They did. And so, what do you... Hey, Mom, it's Mike on the phone. He wants to know if I could spend the night. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. We'll pick you up tomorrow morning at 9. Really? What is the mentality of the parent that would allow that? Well, I think they were thinking that, uh, you know, they might be given a big substantial sum of hush money, and I think some were. That almost says more about the parent than yeah, the Yeah, it kid. does. It's, it's being unbelievable. a pimp. It's, it's pimping your child. Yeah. And that's what they did. There were four or five families that all settled rather than taking him to court. I mean, that just makes me sick. Yes, words fail sometimes. But um, we have about four or five minutes left, and uh, Sean, stick around. I want to talk about Ernest Borgnine. Maybe you can throw something in. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> yeah, Sean, you, you like you like motion pictures, don't you? Great pictures? Movies? Talkies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them. I mean, Marty won the best best uh, the best picture Oscar in 55. Ernest Borgnine is the, the lead character, and he just, he just kills. The whole rest of his career was an addendum. Yeah. He was yeah. awesome. Here's what I know about Ernest Borgnine, besides the fact that he did a lot of uh, television in the late 70s and early 80s. Mm-hmm. His wife is on the Home Shopping Network, <laughs> and she hawks all kinds the of jewelry. Yeah. Is it really? The fifth wife, the, the cosmetics <laughs> wife. Who? Yeah. I watched this, this goofy show on uh, E! called The Soup. I don't know if you ever watched that, but basically it just shows... Highlights and lowlights from the week in television, <laughs> and occasionally they'll 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 show something from Home Shopping Network, and inevitably, uh, Mrs. Borgnine will be on there because she says something you know racist or something that's just <laughs> way out there. Where the host, the the Home Shopping host, will end up literally speechless. She'll look at her and just go, "I cannot believe that just came out of your mouth." But then you know they have to keep going. They have to keep you know. I mean, they're shilling what they're shilling, and oh, they yeah. only have so much time. So they'll stop and go, "I can't believe you said that." Now let's talk about that blouse some more. <laughs> well, you know, it, late in his career, he was always doing, as you say, these these bit roles here and there. And he was he was oftentimes just I don't know wa- mailing the performance in, walking mm-hmm. his way through it. He was terrible. But like back in '53, from here to eternity, yep. I remember seeing an interview. It was one of these talk shows. He was he plays this character, Fatso Judson, sadistic stockade sergeant who just beats the hell out of <laughs> Frank Sinatra's character. And he talked the time about going around New York to these various Italian joints with Sinatra. And of course, Sinatra had to like vouch for him. Like, no, no, he's okay. <laughs> Don't kill him. Exactly. Okay. He's, he's all of his hood, not just hoodlum buddies are looking at him like we got to take care of this guy. That was kind of, you know, I mean, not to, again, get off center here, but that was really kind of the golden age of movies. I mean, that's when a movie star was a movie star. When you had those Rat Packer guys and they were involved in the mob and they did all this cool stuff. George Clooney doesn't do stuff like that. Yeah, that's, you know, what what do we got today? Yeah, we have an ocean. Ashton Kutcher, you know. Ugh, please. I don't really think, I don't, you know, off the top of my head, I don't even think there is a star today that would compare to the star power of... Sammy Davis and Frank Sinatra and, and some of those guys that were around back then. I mean, I used to, I, I mean, still to this day, I love Cary Grant movies and, and the, the power and his sense of humor and stuff, and they just don't make them like they that don't, anymore. They yeah, don't, right. We'll not see the like of, of him anytime soon. Yep. But what I think, there's a couple things irresistible about Ernest Borgnine. One is that he was a guy who was like serving the Navy for 10 years in World War II, and afterwards he's doing factory jobs, and his mother says, Ernest, why don't you try acting? <laughs> Get out of the house. Really, and he, and he goes out, and he does, and next thing you know, you know, a few years later, he's winning an Oscar. I mean, mm-hmm. like, this is like one of those fairy tale stories that you know sometimes happen yeah because these days uh, parents are not asking their children to get out of the house or at least the children aren't leaving like they're supposed to back in the day 
My second most favorite uh, Ernest Borgnine item, I think, is the fact that he did actually marry Ethel Merman in June of 1964 and split up by August of 1964. Oh, my God, you're kidding. <laughs> that is a really bad Ethel Merman impression. Again, my favorite <laughs> Ethel Merman moment, airplane. <laughs> Yes, for those who don't remember the movie, there was a, I guess he was in a, a wounded uh, veterans with shell shock, yep. uh, post-traumatic stress, and yep. they referred to one soldier who imagined that he was Ethel Merman, yep. and the camera cuts, and of course, yep. there's Ethel Merman. And again, without getting off track, if you have not seen the movie Airplane, shame on you. It's one of the best movies of all time. Maybe not quite here to eternity caliber <laughs> acting in it, but still a classic. There are a lot of people that have never seen Marty. I remember when I was a medical resident, which is a while ago now, but I remember I had a copy of it, and people came over and watched it, and they all went like, we never heard of this movie. This is really good. Mm-hmm. Netflix could introduce a whole new uh, um, generation to that because they've got a lot of those great classic movies on there, and these days that's about the only place where people can see them. Well, we'll have to close with that. If you have not seen Airplane, see it, but by all means, if you've not seen Marty, check it out. Well, Sean, we just burned through two segments like uh, Lickety Split. I don't know. I got to hand it to you. The, the time just goes by so quickly. I know. I'm a great guest. You should have you me are. back more often. And we will. And we will. Maybe uh, maybe in uh, post-Olympics. Maybe in August. How's that would that? be great. And I could tell you who didn't win because I wasn't paying any attention. Well, you know, this whole thing about winning gold, it's supposed to be, whatever happened, like just participating, it wasn't an honor just to participate. We need to restore that. I think I blame Wheaties for that because as soon as Bruce <laughs> Jenner appeared on the box, everybody wanted on there. Yes, from the Wheaties box to the Kardashian family, it's the sad decline of Bruce Jenner, which maybe is a topic for a future program. Sean Minton, thank you for coming back, and we'll have you back soon. Can you prove that's Bruce Jenner? Because that face does not look like his to me. I believe they're still conducting tests. (laughs) (laughs) At any rate, uh, this program was produced by Edward McMillan. You have been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, and we'll see you soon. There's no business like show business. Like no business I know Everything about it is appealing Everything that traffic will allow Nowhere could you get that happy feeling When you are stealing that extra bow There's no people like show people They smile when they are lost